Greetings, everyone. This is Pastor Mike. Thanks for joining me today. I'm here in my office with my Bible open to Ephesians chapter 5. We continue to talk about this paradigm that every believer is a minister and has been apportioned grace and power to fulfill their calling and become the catalyst for transformation in the places where they live, work, and worship. Every believer has value and a role to play in the advancement of the kingdom of God on this earth. God transforms our lives by his grace and power as we walk in faith in accordance with the truth of God's word. Then each of us will step into various roles, roles that God has given us in our family, in the church, and in the world, where we then have the opportunity to bring God's presence into those spheres and become the catalyst for transformation in those places as well. Our first role as believers is that we are a kingdom of priests. It begins with our ministry to God. That's why we've been talking about thanksgiving and praise and why today I want to begin talking about worship what I also want us to see as we progress is how all of these principles and paradigms that we've been talking about connect and apply at every level as we progress from a single individual who ministers to God to the next level, which is marriage, and then beyond. In fact, New Testament worship and marriage are interconnected. Marriage itself was designed and instituted by God to illustrate worship. Now that may be a completely new idea for some of you. I've been a worship leader for over 30 years, and I have to admit that for the first 10 of those 30, I completely missed this connection. But once I got it, it changed my life and my understanding of God's will and his overarching purposes for my life. And this is huge. Because is it not one of the most basic questions of every human soul to know why was I created? What is my purpose on this earth? I remember when I was just starting out as a worship leader, and I heard Ed Silvoso speak somewhere, and he used a definition of worship that I really loved and began to use as I taught on worship. And he said that worship is when the spirit of man and the spirit of God come together and experience communion and intimacy. He illustrated this by, by extending one hand as the spirit of man and the other hand as the spirit of God and brought them together, intertwining his fingers and said, this is worship. It's this intimate communion that's found in the context of relationship with our God. And this is still one of the best definitions of worship I've ever heard. And like I said, I began to use this definition of worship in my own teaching without making the obvious connection until one day God graciously gave me an understanding of the very definition of worship that I had been teaching for several years. I was studying Ephesians chapter 5, and I read verses 31 and 32, which say, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother, and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ 
and the church. On that day, as I read this passage, suddenly God made the living word become alive in my heart. The relationship between a husband and wife is meant to be a portrayal, a living picture of what the spiritual relationship is to look like between Christ and the church, the God of creation, and the people he created. Worship is all about a relationship where the spirit of man and the spirit of God come together and enjoy communion and intimacy. If one puts all the New Testament passages that speak of marriage together like a puzzle, they create this beautiful mosaic, this beautiful picture. It's a picture of a loving God who longs for a relationship with the people he created. The institution of marriage, the relationship and the union between one man and one woman was instituted by God, created by God as a sacrament. Now what's a sacrament? A sacrament is a physical picture which is given to illustrate an important and foundational truth. I remember back in 2002, I had the privilege of preaching at a church in India. And there are a few experiences I enjoy more than meeting and worshiping with believers from different parts of the world. Now, very few, if any of that congregation that day, spoke English, except for the pastor who translated as I spoke. So I finished my message and sat down, thought I was done. Um, and then the pastor was saying something to the congregation in Tamil. And then after saying that, he turned around to me and he said in English, I just told them that you're going to now come and officiate over our communion time. Now, that was unexpected. Now, have you ever had one of those moments where like in two seconds, you have about a million thoughts that race through your mind? I'm thinking, what? I wasn't ready for this communion. How do you do communion here? And all these different thoughts of, how do I do this? I don't know how to do this. And then all of a sudden, after about two seconds of all these thoughts swimming through my head, I realized that communion is the same in India as it is in America, as it is in Timbuktu, as it is anywhere. So I stood up, and like I might do if I was leading a time of communion at our church back home, I said, on the night he was betrayed... Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And on we went and enjoyed a a sweet time of communion there together in that place. Now, if we as Christians were to find ourselves in a gathering of fellow believers in any country at any time within the past 2,000 years, there would be certain elements of their worship that we would easily recognize We might not understand their language or liturgy or music, but we would undoubtedly recognize two things, communion and baptism. Communion and baptism are both sacraments established and ordained from the very beginning of the church to portray certain truths. These truths are are so foundational to our faith that God made sure they would be constantly pictured before our eyes. Communion, established by Jesus at the Last Supper, is to put us in continual remembrance of the cross. It's his body and the blood of Jesus, broken and poured out in love for us on Calvary, that is the heart of the gospel. Baptism, 
a picture of the second birth, what it means to be born again, is a living portrayal of how we've been united with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Through faith in Christ, we've been raised in him to live a new life. Now, whether the believers we had gathered with were sprinkling or immersing, or whether they were serving the bread and wine from an ornate altar or passing the elements in a mud hut, we would immediately grasp the meaning of the symbolism of what they were doing. My point being that God thought these truths were so important that he established these sacraments in the church to be practiced in such a way as to transcend cultural and historic boundaries. We would recognize them in any Christian fellowship at any time in church history. Now, marriage is a sacrament that predates communion and baptism. Marriage has been practiced in every civilization, in every time period since Adam and Eve. It not only transcends culture and history, but the church walls. Marriage was instituted by God, not primarily for procreation, but as an illustration. It illustrates for us the answer to the most fundamental question of the human soul. Why am I here? The very institution of marriage is God's call to a relationship that he longs to have with the people he has created and whom he loves. Today, God, the creator of the universe, is inviting us to experience intimate communion with him. We are Christ's bride. This is not a metaphor or an illustration. When I married my wife, Sherry, I like to say that I married a model, and not just because she's really pretty. Our earthly marriages are in fact the model of the spiritual reality. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. When you see it, it will change your life, your view of marriage, and your understanding of the dynamic of your relationship with God. Today, may God give us insight into this profound mystery. Amen.